you're going to love today. I really believe that you're going to be you're going to be challenged, but you're going to be encouraged today because there's two components to this this message, and we'll talk about that. But we've been going through this series, predecide better choices, better life, and. Again, I say this every time to, 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 cause you might have things in your mind that you're thinking about as I'm preaching. We're not talking about the things that you cannot control. Okay. Outside people, circumstances that are beyond your control. You can't, here, this might free someone right here. You can't control everything. Okay. You, you, you can't control people. You can't control their choices. You can't do that. I can't either. And so I, I kind of just wash my hands of that and go, I can't control some people's how they react. I can't control how, what choices they make. And I'm talking about the people that I'm closest to. Okay. But I can control how I respond to things. It's not always positive. It's not always a good thing, but I can, I, I realize it now from years ago that I, I, even when I was a kid, I could have controlled what I, my actions, you know, when I was in fifth grade, I threw that rock. I could have not thrown that rock. And I don't know how my life would have been a little bit different. It was kind of embarrassing. It's still kind of as embarrassing, but, um, I, I want to talk about the most important spiritual quality that you can have. There's a lot of qualities that you can't loving and, and kind and, and hopeful and you're full of God's peace. And those are all great. Those are all, we could preach about that, but I'm going to talk about the most important spiritual quality in your quest to have a deep relationship with God. If you, if your goal in 2023 is to deepen your walk with God, is to get to a place that you, you act more like Jesus, you sound more like Jesus, you, you people look at you and they go, you are in love with Jesus, you believe in this God, and, and they might not believe it, but they go, I respect that you really do, you're consistent in your relationship with God. Like, you don't, you don't change with that. And so, um, this has the greatest potential to steer your life in the direction that God wants you to. Listen, my, I only get one life to live, and it's from now till death that I have. I know I can't guarantee when the death is going to happen. I have no idea. Okay. Um, I don't think I'd want to know the day of my death. I really don't. Um, but anyway, I have this one life to live and I want God, I want to be on the path that God has for me. And sometimes I'm not. And sometimes even if I'm off the path that God has for me, he uses even that little roundabout thing or that detour that he did not intend, but to get us right back to where he wants us to go. He has the tendency to do that, and um, he will turn all things for the good of those who love us. So sometimes we're on the wrong path, and the moment we realize that and go, I need to get back on the path that God has for me, he's going to use the stuff that you did in that season, even if it was bad, even if it was stupid. He will use that for his glory. And so what we're going to talk about is the key to emotional, physical, financial, relational, and spiritual health. And that's one of my, not one of my, it is the goal of my life, is to be healthy, okay? And uh, the only way to do that is through one word, and it's consistency. Everybody say consistency. You're like, I thought it was going to be something a little bit more spiritual than that. This is very spiritual, because I was thinking about this week, I'm thinking about, okay, I was not an athlete. How many athlete, former athletes do we have? Hayden's a former athlete? What are you talking about? You run. Okay, how many of us did some sport when we were in school? Chess club. I'm the only one at chess club. That was in sixth grade. That's a sport. I had to stretch my thumbs and my finger, and I had to, like, go like that and go, okay, and I'm already lost. I'm already lost. I can get perfect. Um, four move checkmate. Perfect. But, um, how many of us realize that 
if you're not consistent in your workout and you're not consistent in your practice and you're not consistent in your running, you're not going to be doing good. I can't be thrown into track and field right now and expect to win anything. I probably couldn't even beat the junior hires, right? I couldn't even beat the elementary kids. Why is that? Because not all of them, but many of them, they, they consistently practice. Now, maybe some of them don't, and that's why they don't do good, okay? That's why I didn't do good, because um, I was consistent in showing up, but I wasn't consistent in doing my best. I sometimes would go, run around the track and go around circles. Why in the world am I doing this? You know, I could be playing basketball right now, and it's a game. I got cut from that team. That's why I didn't do it, but I'll, I'll run. And, uh, and But consistent people in track, they will do decent, Okay, you have to keep working hard. You have to keep going. You can't just show up once every 20 years or once every 40 years and go, I am ready to run this marathon. If I did the Sound and Narrows marathon I did when I was in high school right now, I would not finish. I barely finished then when I was 17. But we're going to talk about consistency because spiritual consistency, consistency in your life, it is the key to all around health, to all around uh, a spiritual deep relationship with God, it is the number one thing. You will grow, and this is so such a duh, uh, duh, you know, kind of comment, but those areas that you're consistent in, those are the areas that you will grow in. If I want to be a great husband, a great father, a great employee, a great pastor, I'm going to be consistent in a great relationship with my father. I'm going to be consistent in it. I can't be half-hearted. I can't do it haphazardly. I can't go, oh, I'm going to do good a little bit, and I'm just going to give up for a little bit. No, I have to be consistent, okay? And you might get a little nervous, and, well, I'm cons- the thing I'm only consistent at is being cons- consistently, consistently inconsistent. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Right, um, but many people are inconsistent. If you're human, inconsistent. I thought about a few th- things that I couldn't be inconsistent at. The my inconsistency in what I eat by by health, my consist inconsistency to my desire to exercise. Okay, a couple years ago, me and my wife we said we're going to work out and we're going to do this video every single day, and I can't speak for I can speak for me. Every, like it was like instant. I was like. I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this. So do I do that anymore? No. I'm consistently inconsistent when it comes to my physical health. The only reason why I'm not 500 pounds is because I'm physically active at work. You know, and I kind of walk around and move around like this when I'm preaching. So that's why that I break even. You know, I could be inconsistent with my reading my Bible and praying. And sometimes we can't even get to places on time consistently, right? Now, you don't have to, you know, there's two types of people and two types of families that you grew up in. Families that you were on time no matter what. You were 10 minutes early. And families that were like, I think we can just show up when we feel like it. My family, if we were for church and stuff like that and work and everything, if we had to be at church at a certain time, we were there 20 minutes early. Okay? And if I was not ready, if I was not buttoned up my shirt, they grabbed me and they'd still push me into the Astro van. You're going in there and you will button up. And if you need to brush your teeth, you can, you, you can go into the bathroom at the church before it starts and you're going to brush your teeth in the bed. And I did. Okay. I did oftentimes, but I'll, I'll give you an example of 2023. We did a pretty bold goal for my family because over the years we've tried stuff like this and we've been consistently inconsistent. 
Okay. I made it before the New Year's. I made it my goal because I got a brand new, uh, I, the publisher sent it to me. It's a, it's a uh, year through the Bible, but it's chronologically. It, they took two things like the year of the Bible and chronologically uh, a daily reading and put it together. And I was like, I've, I, I want to do that, but I had to wait for January 1st. Um, I didn't have to, but I wanted to. So you start with Genesis. And, and then you go through part of Genesis and then you go through like Job and then you go through Exodus. It's just the story. Your Bible is not always chronological, by the way. You'll read something. You go, wait a minute. When did that happen? That all of a sudden I'm back to, you know, a hundred years before. Okay. It's not always chronological. So it helps. So my, I said, I want to do this. And Lydia said, let's all do it in my family. I said, that's, that's a pretty bold goal. Okay. Okay, I'm going to read, we're going to read the Bible every single night at 9 o'clock, and I usually go to bed at 10, 10.30, so 9 o'clock, I used to be a night out, and about 8.30, I'm like, so that's bold, like to wake up and go, okay, okay, let's read our Bible, uh, <laughs> let's see, so it's very bold goal, we made that our goal, and um, I want to be honest, we've already failed. How many days do we have to catch up yesterday? Like, I mean, we've only missed, we've only missed one, one day in a row, but we had to catch up on three days because, um, one day we were so, we were behind. And so we, it was a lot of chapters and we're like, okay, let's make this simple. Let's keep it short and sweet. That way we look forward to it. Not, oh, I got to do 70 chapters and I'm never going to make it. Yesterday we had to do about nine chapters and, um, and it's through the book of Genesis. And there, again, like I said earlier, these are a bunch of stupid people doing stupid stuff. And you go, you learn a lot by looking at other people's stupidity. And go, but then you go, that's me. Then you look at God. And it's inspiring, but at the same time you go, why? Am I, let me read the book of Matthew. That would be even better. Let me just go right to Jesus. But the story of the Bible is great. And we have failed already. But I'll say this today throughout this sermon. But in my consistency goal in my life for anything, health, anything, Bible reading, um, church, anything. If I miss one day, I'm not going to miss two. That's my goal. Okay. Uh, when it comes to health, I'll eat a big tub of ice cream one day. And then the next day I'll have broccoli and even it out. Right. That's a joke. I don't, but, um, what I love about this, I read the Bible often. And, uh, again, there's days that I miss, don't judge me like that. You're all, there are days that I'm laying my head down on the pillow and I go, oh, wow. I mean, I've talked to God, but, and I, listen, this is going to free someone here. You can live in constant guilt or you can live in constant relationship with God. Sometimes you're not going to remember to open up this. Okay. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but as I read the Bible, I learn about this guy named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, to me, okay, there's a lot of heroes in the Bible. Jesus, he's above and beyond, so I can't even, of course he's number one, Bible hero, okay? But Paul, to me, and Peter, but Paul is one of those guys who is one of my heroes because his, he has a testimony, if anyone has a testimony. And, um, and not only that, God specific, Jesus himself showed up to Paul physically, post, post like resurrection Jesus. How many of us could say that? Not me, but post Jesus showed up to Paul and said, I want you to suffer. 
and I want you to be my messenger to non-Jewish people. And I love that. And, and, and not only that, but God called Paul to write the majority of the New Testament. When it comes to words, word count, he, he has them all beat. Okay. And what I love about that is oftentimes I say, I want to be used by God, but if I want to be used by God, I, I can't mess up. If I mess up one day, that's it. I'm done. God's going to go look at me and he's going to go, zoom, done. You're gone. And the apostle Paul is evidence and Peter, but is evidence that God will still use you when you're dumb. Okay. Not you, me, Paul. And so when I, I'm going to read some of the most, my most, uh, favorite of all verses in the Bible. And I'm not kidding. I say that about a lot of verses, but this is, this is, um, it's encouraging, and yet I don't think it was meaning to be encouraging in the Bible. I think Paul was writing this down going, I am a big-time idiot, okay? Because you think right in the middle of writing the Bible, he would have it all together. Don't, don't you think that? I mean, it's something that's so important as putting together Scripture, writing these important letters to the church, in Rome, Romans chapter 7, that he would get it all together. I mean, this is a leader of leaders. This is a pastor to pastors. He's a church planter. He is a missionary in the known world. He went to places that no one ever did. So that's why he's my hero. And outside of Jesus, I want to be like Paul. I really do. But the reality is, there's a part of Paul that I'm going, really? But I read it and go, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Paul. And thank you, God, for saying, you know what? I'm going to allow that to be in the Bible. It's Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And, and again, he's consistently inconsistent. Paul, right in the Bible. How many of us would think that's a little important? Yes, of course. We believe that the, all of Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired. It is useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness. But Paul, I don't really understand myself, period. Let's just stop it there for a minute. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us, you, could, you, you, you don't understand yourself? You could stand up here like I do. You could preach until you're blue in the face, or you can go, uh, you know, do this. And by the way, when a preacher stands up here and preaches about something, guess what he or she is going to struggle with the next day or probably the same afternoon? I could talk about marriage. I'm not going to, thank God. I could tell you to be a good spouse, blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? On the way home or at home, we're going to get a huge argument. I can't tell you how many times this happened. We've had, we've, we've, we've talked with people, uh, marriage counseling. What happens right after that? We have a big, huge argument. Okay, so then I'll go, I don't really understand myself. And I go, yeah, Paul, thank you. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. How many of us can concur to that? Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Instead, I do what I hate. You could say, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do good, but I do evil. It's the same thing. I do the very thing that I'm not supposed to do. Then he goes on in verse 18 and 19. He continues his rant. I want to do what is right, but I can't. He's saying I can't. Not he won't. He can't. 
The sinful nature is way powerful. Okay? I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. (laughs) Now, I could pause right there and I could say, you know what? Let's be done. And we walk home and go, we go home, walk home. Maybe you would, one of us would walk home, right? But we go home and go, now, okay, Paul, that's great. I feel great, but now what? So we have no hope? Listen, if I want to start exercising, I want to start working out, but I realize at my middle age age, I can't just jump into a marathon. What's the best thing to do? Don't jump into a marathon. Go do something. I'm going to run from my house to the horse field that's down the end of the road. I'm going to walk and pork chop. My dog is going to want to go with me, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to run from my house to the to the horses and maybe from the horses to Wade and Michelle's house because that's a little bit closer, but not as far as my house. And I'm going to be, in, I'm going to be, okay. And I'll be limping for a month, I guarantee. But that will be way more beneficial to me to start somewhere rather than jump right into the marathon thing. Okay, if I am struggling to do what's right, I can make excuses and go, what's the point, Paul? No hope? No, start your consistency journey right now. Okay, start it right now. Everyone can relate to this. So if you're here and you have this desire to honor God, listen, this entire series, here's the bottom line. Maybe I haven't made it clear in this series yet. My main agenda here is I want to honor God. I want to honor God, period. That's my, it's my agenda. And that's why I want my life. I want to predecide to the right thing. Why? Because I want to honor God with my life. I want to honor God with my decisions. I want to honor God with my mouth. I want to honor God with my relationships, my finances, everything. And if you, if you, if that's your goal, like mine, but you find yourself a little depressed that you're not down the road more than you should be, all of us, then this this sermon is for you because it's going to be helpful. And so what we're talking about is the power of consistently, consistency. Okay, this is vital because we have said this throughout the series. A few things I want to put on the screen again, but the quality of our decisions will determine the quality of life. Again, I can't determine everything on the outside. Sometimes I'm going to have a bad uh time with talking to people or I'm going to have, or they're going to treat me poor or I'm going to get a bad doctor's note. Like all of a sudden I'm like, where did that come from? I can't, some, I can't, sometimes I can't control that thing. Okay. But I can control the decisions that I have on in my life right now. I have that. Con- and I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. Yeah, but you're not 20 years from ago. You can start right now to do the right thing. And so the quality of my decisions is going to steer my life and determine the quality of my life. If I want to be a good husband, I better start. I should have started 18 years ago. If I want to be a good, if I want to be a good financial uh, person, I want to honor God with my finances. I should have started 20 years ago. You know what? There's no time like the present. I'm going to start right now making good decisions right now. I'm not going to use the fact that maybe I'm in debt. Maybe I made poor choices in the, in the past to make, to, to steer my life. I'm going to choose today whom I will serve. And so we make our decisions, but really our decisions make us. Your decisions that you make, good or bad, is going to take you where you're going to go. And where you are right now, you're a product of your decisions in the past, good and bad. But we need to start. The, yesterday, it's a clean slate. It's gone. 
It's like those little uh, Etch-A-Sketch when I was a kid. You, you spin the thing, and you'd make, I never could make a cool design, but I would make a stick figure. You know, like I'm talking about just a stick like that and another stick like that, and we'd be good. But then what do you do when you get a clean slate? Shake the thing in the sand or whatever it is would erase it, kind of. Um, but that's what this 2023, it's a brand new year. The calendar has changed. In fact, my old calendar I had to get rid of. It had some Bob Ross paintings on it, so I think I kept it. But, uh, but new, new calendar, new calendar. And so, um, I love this because instead of waiting for the moment of, in the heat of the moment to make the, the choice or make a decision, I'm going to stop my life for a season for a moment and I'm going to make choices now, decisions right now on what I'm going to do in the future. Cause if I wait to the heat of the moment, I'm usually going to do the wrong thing. Because I'm not really good at, how many of us are good at making choices and you have like one second to make the decision? Uh, 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 like, what do you want for dinner? Uh, 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 let's see. Uh, uh, spaghetti, I guess. Because uh, if Lydia doesn't feel like cooking, she says spaghetti, then I, then, cause I can do that. Cause I'm good at spaghetti. She, she'll go, hey, She'll call me, hey, can you start dinner? Sure, I will. And then she comes home and it's almost done. I'm like, you're the smartest person I've ever met because it's already done, right? And uh, uh, I'm, if, if nothing else, I'm good at spaghetti making. I like it full of meat. I like it full of sauce. I like it, I like it tasting good. I like a lot of cheese. Mm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we... We talked about this. When faced with blank, I have predecided to blank. Whatever situation, like last week I said, when I'm faced with difficult people, I've already predecided I'm going to extend grace to people. I'm not always good at that. And without just going to their face and just being stupid about it, most of the time, if I don't want to extend grace, I just don't talk to them. That's how I don't extend grace. I ignore them. Okay. That's still not good. So I have made it my goal in my life beforehand. I have predecided to love people, to extend grace, to forgive people, so that when I am faced with hard people, difficult people, I've already determined what I'm already going to do. But if I don't predecide that, I kind of just kind of, I kind of half-heartedly walk through life going, whatever, and then someone treats me poorly, which happens, it happens once in a while. I'm not, a, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, so not everybody likes me, okay? I've come to terms that's okay. Okay, I don't even always like me, but I want to love them, but I have to make that decision beforehand. And so what we're looking at is the roadmap to this series is really six decisions. I We talked about last week, I'm ready for any attack that the devil has for me. I'm ready when I'm tempted to do wrong. I'm already prepared. My shield is up for any attack. Okay, I am ready, I am consistent, I am devoted, I am generous, I am faithful, and I am a finisher. That's the roadmap of this. So today, with God's help, I am consistent. Let's repeat after me, ready? With God's help, I am consistent. Yeah, with God's help, I am consistent. That's the good news. You can't do it on your own. You can be consistently inconsistent on your own. But with God's help... You can do the right thing over and over and over. Now, I'm going to say something I've heard years ago, and I don't remember if it was from a some kind of talk that sounds very like cheerleader, cheerleader, like go, go team, go. It doesn't very seem that biblical, but I'm going to turn it biblical, okay? But it was successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. 
Um, it, this sounds like a, this sounds like one of those life coach guru type of pe- quotes. Okay. Now, when I mean successful, remember the Bible talks about success in many, in many different ways. And it doesn't always mean how the world, you know, you could be financially successful and not be rich. Okay. You, you, you can have, you can be successful in married life and you don't have, you, you don't have like the perfect marriage but you can be successful. So those people who, who do life like God calls them to, they do it consistently what other people they do occasionally. If you want to be successful in your relationship with God, in your finances, in your relationship with other people, in the way that you treat people, in the way that you talk, you have to be consistent in what God wants you to do. And when you fall off the train a little bit here and there, when you miss a day, when you mess up, you got to allow God to get you up and get back on that train. Don't stop. Don't give up. I'm a finisher. That's we're cheating for the last week of this series, but I'm a finisher. So we want to do consistently what the majority of people go, eh, I'll do it when I feel like it. See, whatever I do consistently, that's who I become. I don't become the person uh, that God wants me to by doing the things God wants me to do occasionally or when I feel like it. Listen to me. There are a lot of times I don't feel like doing what God wants me to do. Do I always want to pray? No. Do I always want to read the Bible? What do you think? No. Why? We're going to the Bible in a year, and so sometimes you're reading these three chapters, and it's inspired by God, but then we'll stop and go, Okay, because we're always asking, that's good historical lesson, but now we're always asking the now what question when I read the Bible. What does that mean to, today? And that's a good question, but sometimes we go, you know what? Maybe if nothing else, like, well, was it yesterday that she was in charge of reading one of the chapters that was just saying this person begat that person begat that person? And come on, how many of us have ever skipped a chapter like that? Because you're like, she can't even, she is, she is like, not English major, but she's taken a lot more English classes I have, and it's because these names are not English, maybe, but she can't even name the names, like, and it's, it's like a town, AI, I'm like, it's AI, she go, I, you know, it's like, all these names that are like, so what I'm saying is that it's so easy to uh, say, well, I have to want to do it in order to be, no, 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 it's not even about that, it really is, what is it about, it's about devotion to God. It's about being devoted to God. It's about loving God. It's about getting to know who he is, his character, how he treats imperfect people. That's why we do it. And so um, I want to show you from Scripture why consistency even matters. And what? how in the world do you live your life consistently that honors God? Again, I want to honor God. That's my main goal. So today we want to look at one of the most consistent people of all the Bible. You can say Jesus. I'm not going to count him because, of course, he's consistent. Did he ever sin? No. Was he tempted? Yes. Was there ever one time that he was tempted and he sinned? No. So if there was anyone consistent, it was Jesus. So obviously we can't talk about him for just a moment. We're going to talk about outside of Jesus. He is the most consistent person in the Bible. And in fact, his name is Daniel. And uh, if you want to learn more about Daniel, I can't remember how many years ago it's been, but I went through the book of Daniel in a sermon series I can't remember if it was before COVID or not. You know, COVID is the new BC, AD type of thing to me. It's like before COVID, BC, 
It really is. So I think it was before COVID, but I went through the entire book of Daniel and some other books right after that. And um, you want to go, go on YouTube and look up Daniel, and it really is a helpful story. It really is a powerful, mighty story. But I want to revisit his his a few verses of his life because he was the most consistent person when it comes to his relationship with God ever. Even when even when things on the outside changed, even when government changed, even when the government was evil, it still didn't change the fact that he still served God openly, even though it became illegal. What happened in the story, I want to give you a little bit of background. And uh, because the Babylonians began to abduct people in um, 605 B.C., there was three times that the Babylonians took people from other countries and what they were doing was they're abducting uh, the best and the brightest young men. Okay, and I looked it up like, well, how old? I'm thinking 17, 18, 19, no, 12. Because 12 in the ancient world was the line of being adult. You could make your own decisions, and it was a very important age. Um, you know, 12-year-old now, they want to play video games, pick their nose. And even at 41, you know, sometimes that happens. But, um, but. They want to abduct the best and the brightest, the best IQs, the best education, the people who are, they're just smart, they're handsome, they're fit, because the king wanted to take these young men and he wanted to make them leaders of this country because he wanted the best, the brightest, the brilliant. He wanted to indoctrinate them different things. You're going to eat our food. Now, if you're Jewish, that's a problem. If you're a Christian, you go, gimme, 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 gimme the food. Yeah, you want that you want that pot roast? You want that ham? Absolutely, I'm going to grab that. Give me, give me some more, King Darius. But if you're Jewish, I can't touch that ham. That's against my faith. Me as a Christian, thank God. Thank you, Lord, that I can eat ham. Okay? For those of us who don't like meat, I'm sorry. Not sorry. Um, look, I like, look, I like to be fit, and I like to, the protein. Makes me fit and gives me energy, right? Um, you're like, so would vegetables. I know, but vegetables rarely taste good. But this, they wanted to teach them all sorts of different value systems. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna learn our values and you'll live them out. You're gonna, you're gonna go into our education system and you're gonna believe all the stuff that we talk about. You are going to do that. And it messed with his, mind, it messed with his spirit, Daniel, and now he had a temptation in his life. Am I going to serve God or am I going to go with whatever? Am I going to be consistent in my relationship with God or am I going to let other people dictate what my consistency level is like? And so I love this because what happens is among the entire group of young men, Daniel stood out with King Darius. King Darius looked at Daniel and he, he looked at all these young men and he go, wow, these are, these are, these are some brilliant, bright, fit, handsome young men. And they are my leaders that are going to rule this place. They're going to be so great. And he's going through this line and he looks at Daniel and goes, I like that guy. I don't even care if he even serves his God. I don't believe in his God, but you know what? He's so consistent. That's what he noticed. His consistency. He noticed that he is always there. He's faithful. He's always there. He ha he's brilliant. He has all this stuff. So he stood out. And King Darius said, I want to promote you. You're going to the fast track of leadership. You're in charge. You're, you're number one. Well, the rest of, and I'm going to call this group of people, this bunch of yahoos. 
because he's a bunch of other leaders that think he's going to take my spot. So we need to do things. We need to, we need to dig up some dirt on this Daniel. And I mean, listen, if you find, if you go to any person, president, cabinet member, senator, house majority leader, whatever, if you, if you, if you dig dirt, listen to me, you're going to find something for everybody. Right? If you were to dig in my life, you'd find dirt. If I were to dig in your life, you'd find dirt. These people were digging dirt in Daniel, and you know what? They could find nothing. Right? Because they tried to find some fault with this character. Daniel 6. Daniel 6, verse 4. Then the other yahoos, well, I mean, administrators and the high officers, they began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. Like, I want to make sure that he's lead, you look at him going, is there an area of his leadership that he has been wrong? We're going to tell King Darius that he's been wrong in this area. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. So for now, it'd be like, I'm going to make up some dirt. I'm going to give you some fake news. But listen, look at what, look at how the Bible describes Daniel. He, Daniel, was faithful. Everybody say faithful. He was always responsible. Everybody say always responsible. Let, let me, let me, let me translate the Hebrew. You know what that means? Consistency. Always. Nonstop. And he was completely trustworthy. Everybody say completely trustworthy. Listen, you can't be half trustworthy. I trust you a little bit. That means you don't trust them, right? If someone doesn't trust you or you don't trust someone, that's it. You don't get to choose. I trust you 50%. You're either trustworthy or you're not. So when they see him, they they can't condemn him. They can't criticize him because he's faithful. He's always responsible and he's completely trustworthy. These are some powerful qualities to have. I told you earlier that I want to be like, I want to be like uh, Paul. I want to be like Daniel. It's kind of like reminds me of um, Billy Graham, an old Billy Graham sermon. And uh, his son, Franklin Graham, kind of took that idea and went even farther. But it's the sermon was titled, Dare to be a Daniel. Billy Graham. It's a great, great sermon, old, old, old sermon, but it was powerful. And, and, and I, I've heard that and I've read things from Franklin Graham. And from that moment when I got some material from Franklin Graham about daring to be a Daniel, I think it was in college during youth group time. And I thought, I want to be just like Daniel. What was it talking about? This stuff right here. I want to be faithful. I want to be always responsible. I want to do what God's called me to do. I want to do always. And I want to be completely trustworthy. In the years and days and decades where pastors are not trusted, trust me. Okay? We have people all the time that are joking about, you know, you know, pastors. And it's like, oh, isn't that funny? You know, wink, wink, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, listen, I don't find that anything humorous about pastors doing stupid stuff and not being trustworthy. I want my life to be like Daniel's. I want to be completely trustworthy. I want to be consistent. I want to be always responsible. And that was his, that was his, um, th- that was who he was. That's his character. And so they couldn't, take Daniel to the king and say, here's his leadership qualities, it's bad. Eh. They couldn't say anything. So they had to talk about his faith. 
If you can't attack their character, I'm going to attack your faith. So if someone's attacking your faith, but they're not attacking your character, welcome to the club. Because they're going to attack, if they can't, they'll attack your character first. If they can't do that, they're going to attack your belief in this God that they don't believe in. Well, you believe in that? Well, well, when I was a kid, I believed in Easter Bunny. I believed in the Tooth Fairy, which was great. You know, I got a dollar for losing teeth. Wish I could still do that. <laughs> but now, with inflation, it'd be $10 a tooth. <sighs> but anyway, um, <laughs> so... They go to King Darius and they're brown. What do you do to a king? You brown nose him. Oh, King Darius, we love you. Oh, King Darius, you're like a god to us. Oh, King Darius, we serve you. We serve your gods. We eat your food. You're amazing. Let's, we have an idea. King Darius, how about for the next 30 days, let's make a law. Let's make a decree. Nobody can serve any other god except for you and your gods. How about that? Now, King Darius, remember, I want to say this. He loved Daniel. He loved Daniel. He didn't care that he was Jewish. He didn't care that he believed in his God. He didn't care about, he didn't believe it, but he, he didn't mind it. But he's a leader. So he has to like, he has to like walk around with his chest like, like this going, yeah, I'm, I'm in charge and I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's make that law. So if you serve your God, Jewish people, if you pray, if you read the Bible, if you talk about God, you're going to the lion's den. You're dead. And these aren't just lions that are tame. See, I've been scratched by cats. It's like tame animals. I, I, I'm so, I, your cats are great. We were just there and there, there, we were over there and she, they did not scratch me. In fact, it was, maybe they think I was going to scratch them. I don't know. Maybe that's why they're hiding so much, but, um, the cats that I've, come around in my life they 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 scratch but these lions they were hungry they were drooling blood on their mane i, I guarantee it there there it's there's blood everywhere and it's in this pit and you can see guts and blood and horrible stuff so if you believe in god that's your future how does daniel respond now, here's how I would respond. Maybe you lose some respect for me. That's okay. Oh, I'll still pray, but I'm going to pray in my, I'm going to pray quietly. I'm going to read my Bible, but when they're not looking, I'm going to talk about God, but I'm going to talk about God in my heart. How does Daniel respond? Look at verse 10. Verse 10 in chapter 6, Daniel. When, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he what? He knelt down as usual. Everybody say that, ready? He knelt down as usual. What is that? That's consistency. He's, nothing changed. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its what? Windows open towards Jerusalem. There's a spiritual reason for that. You're praying for Jerusalem, but he, he, he's not being quiet or shy about his prayers. He's not. He prayed three times a day just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God. So listen to me. When times went tough, when there was a law against it, when the government was evil, when everything was bad, when you could be punished for doing the right thing, what did he change? Nothing. I want to be that consistent. When it comes to everything, 
my relationship with God, my relationship with people, my relationship with the church, my relationship with my family and my spouse. I, it doesn't, those relationships are hard. Even your relationship with God, it takes work. It's hard. If it was easy, everybody would be like, yeah, this is cool. We could do, the churches would be full if it was easy. But you're like, this is hard. When I became Christian, I thought everything was going to go great. No. Just as he always had done, and as usual. Business as as usual. He remained consistent no matter what happened. So the leaders find this out. They hear him. He's praying. Okay, let's grab him. They throw him in the lion's den. The king's not happy about it because he loves Daniel, but he's a man of his word. He goes, if I can't seem weak as a leader, as a king, I cannot seem weak. So I got to be a man of my word. I can't give in to this. Let's throw him in. And so these lions are drooling. They're hungry. They're growling. This, I looked up pictures online. Not real pictures, but you know what I mean, paintings. They never show the lions hungry. They always show the lions in sitting down with their ears back and just kind of like, and Daniel's the one that's like in charge. Listen, I had tried to imagine it. It was not like that. That's not how it was. I guarantee he believed, he trusted God, but in the back of his mind, he probably went, I'm probably going to die. But then God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. It was the angel that was there, not Daniel going, you stop it. Verse 23 of Daniel 6 says this, because the, the king realized that Daniel's still alive. The king was overjoyed because he loved Daniel. And he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den and not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Now, I was practicing this at home yesterday. Lydia was there, everyone was there. And I got to this verse and I, I this thing popped in my head because this is a idea that we've thought about in my relationship with Lydia for years. We've talked about this. Why? When you make the right choice, do bad things still happen? How many of us have ever done that? You did the right thing, you served God, and things still went wrong. So when I read this, I'm going, oh, he trusted God, so nothing happened. Listen, again, I can't control everything outside of myself. I live in a sinful world. God could shut the mouth of the lions in my life. There are times that he doesn't, okay? So I want to, I want to remain consistent in my life. And it's up to God. But you know, I can guarantee you, for me, if I'm consistently inconsistent in my relationship with God, you know what I don't have? I do not have God's anointing power in my life. I don't have his blessing. I can guarantee you that. If I'm consistently going, God, I don't want to serve you. God, I don't like this. I, I hate doing this, this will thing. I don't, it's too hard. I don't like, if I'm consistent, consistently being disobedient to God, that's, I can guarantee you I'm not going to have that blessing. But you know what? If I'm saying, Today, 2023, God, I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care how hungry the lions are in my life. I don't care if they chew me up and spit me out and I'm in heaven. I'm going to be consistent with you. If you do that, you will have God's blessing. You will be, you'll be anointed with his Holy Spirit so powerful you won't even know what to do with it because you're being obedient to him. I want to be more obedient to who God's called me to be. And if he wants to shut the mouth of the lions in my life, he'll do it. He has the power to do it. But don't lose heart because you do the right thing and you still have bad things happen. Don't lose heart because God's still in control. God will still reward you 
for being obedient to his call, no matter how hard it is. I think the story to me, the biggest story wasn't that there was no scratch found him. I think the biggest story was that he was willing to be consistent even when it could have cost him his life because he didn't know that the angel was going to show up, right? So here's a good question for this story. When did Daniel learn to trust God? Do you think he learned to trust God in the lion's den? You can't learn to trust God in the middle of a battle, okay? You have to learn to trust God beforehand. You have to understand who God is, who his character is, who he really is, and who he's not. And you go, I have chosen right now in my prayer closet, I guarantee that's where Daniel learned to trust God, in his prayer closet with the windows open. He learned to trust God so that when something happened, like the lions, he still trusted God. So you can't, you can't learn something. You can't be consistent in something in the middle of a battle. You have to learn it before that battle shows up. So like right now in your life, we need to learn to trust God more. We need to be, we need to learn to be more faithful to God. We need to be more consistent in our reading of scripture. We need to do that right now. We need to choose that right now. But why do we struggle? Because sometimes I think I look at Daniel and he was consistent. And in his things that he was consistent in, I'm inconsistent. I want to be, dare to be a Daniel, as Billy Graham would have said. I, I want to be like Daniel. Why? Because look at, look at his story. Look who God made him to be. So how do I grow in my consistency? We're going to talk about three things and we'll be done. These are three important things because we need to start with the why. We're going to talk about these individually. Just really, there's not long. We need to plan to fail. I have a feeling that you're going to love number two right there. Okay? And number three, we need to fall in love with the process that God has for us. It's not an end destination. It's not an end goal. We need to fall in love with the process. We need to fall in love. If you don't like the word process, we need to fall in love with the journey that God has us on. Not the end goal, not the end destination. So, so if we want to grow in our consistency with God, with everything else, we want to predecide to be consistent. Number one, we need to start with the why. Why do you think Daniel prayed consistently? Why do you think that he prayed three times a day? You could say, well, that's because what Jewish people did. They did. Six, noon, three. Six, noon, three. Six, noon, three. It was consistent. If you were Jewish, that's what you did. But I look at the story of Daniel, and even when they made it illegal to do that, he still did it. Why? I don't think it was out of duty. I don't think it was out of, out of, um, because he felt like it. He didn't make it an outward show like the Pharisees. He went into his prayer closet. He prayed three times a day. Why? Because he was devoted to his God. That's why he prayed three times. Not because it was easy, but because he was devoted to his God. And even this, I want to say something because I was trying to wrap my brain around this. He didn't pray because he wanted to. He prayed because he was devoted to God. Listen to me. Sometimes we don't feel like doing the right thing, right? How many of us always feel like, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to do this, but how many of us always want to, we feel like reading the Bible? How many of us want, we always feel like we want to pray, always, nonstop, 
No, there are times that you're like, why do we consistently pray? Why do we read the scripture? Because we're devoted to our God. It's devotion that drives us. So, it's not desire, really. It's about devotion. Why do I want to be consistent in my life with, with God? Why do I want to be consistent in my relationship with my family? Why do I want to be consistent in honoring God with my finances, my time, my treasure, my talent? Why do I want to be consistent in that? Because I want to honor God. I want to glorify God with my life. I want my life to mean something beyond my lifetime. And the only way I can do that is to serve him. The only time I can make that is make my life really count. I don't want to just waste moments that are precious. I want to be fully devoted to God. That's why. So start with the why. And this is an important number two is huge. That you're not going to hear from a life coach guru. Okay? You need to plan to fail. You need to actually write down physically, it's okay to fail. No one's writing. I just noticed that. Okay, here's why. Here's why. Because we were told opposite. If you're really, really, really consistent, you will not fail. If you're a good husband, you will not be a bad husband. If you're a good father, you will always be a good father. You'll never screw up. If you're going to be a good employee, you'll never make the boss mad ever. You'll always just run around and just do what you need to do. And No, no, no. When was the last time in any area of your life that you were perfect in from birth till now? Never. Never. So you have to give yourself permission to fail. Why? Because if you don't, you'll lose heart and you won't be consistent. I, I wrote this down and I put it in my, in my PowerPoint because I thought it was, being consistent is not the same as being perfect. The problem is, we think, we have an all or nothing mindset. If you grew up like me, like I'm either a good husband or a bad husband. I'm either a good godly person or I'm an evil person. I'm either, I'm consistent with God or I'm an atheist. We don't go that extreme, but you know. Or I, I, I love reading the Bible. Or ah, I don't need to read the Bible because I'm missing it all the time anyway. We have all or nothing. Listen, my example of us reading the Bible per, for the year. That's a difficult one, to, to be honest with you. It just is. It is not easy to read the Bible in a year cover to cover. It just isn't. I've done it before. You get to, you get to Leviticus and you'll want to give up. I say that a lot, but it's just the truth. That should free somebody that's reading the Bible that you're not alone. Some of us might get offended by that, but I'm not the only one, okay? But when it comes to our Bible reading, we will miss time from day to day sometimes. We will not miss two days. We've already talk, talked about that. We will miss one day here and there because it happens. By the time we get home sometimes, it's like 11 o'clock and we we got to go to bed. And so we made that. I can be consistent and still fail from time to time. It doesn't make me a failure. Like, if we miss reading the Bible one day as a family, does that make our family a failure when it comes to our relationship with God? No. No. No, no, no. Give yourself the grace to fail. Being consistent in your area, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate 
this thing, whatever it is, if you want to lose weight or if you want to exercise or if you want it in your relationships or your relationship with God, don't complicate it. Make it simple. If you jump off the train, if you will, which you will, you can choose that day. I'm getting right back on. Don't lose heart. My problem is sometimes I've made it a goal. I've made every, I've made goals. I have like that workout thing that we did. The reason why I quit is I lost heart because I just went, we'd, we'd miss a day or two or I would miss a day or two. She would do it. I go, I don't want to do it. I'll, I'll sit here and I'll eat ice cream while you work out. See that right there? You think I'm joking? No, I'm not joking. But I lost heart. I said, man, I am not really losing any weight. I don't feel any more in shape. In fact, I've gained weight. But they say muscle weighs more than fat. So all the muscle that I really do have, it's it weighs a lot more. And, and uh, just true. So I lost heart and I quit. Because when it comes to working out for me, it's all or nothing. If I can't give my all, if I, if I fail, I'm done. True story. And here's the problem. It's the illusion of perfection that keeps us from starting. You start a goal in your relationship with God or whatever to be consistent in. You plan on missing and failing, but you get right back up. That's what consistency is. Consistency is not, for the rest of your life, never screwing up. I will read books on marriage. I'll read books on parenting. I'll read books about pastoring. I'll read books about whatever, finances. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a guru. Like, ooh, look at me. I'm all smart. Wow, look at that. And then I fail. The reality is, what am I going to do with, when I do fail, how am I going to respond to that? I'm in control of how I respond to that. The last thing, fall in love with the process or fall in love with the journey. Most of us obsess with the end goal. I have to lose 20 pounds, and if I lost one pound and that's it, I get frustrated. I, how come I haven't lost more than two pounds? You ever done that? Like I've been working out for six months and I haven't lost 20 pounds and you just give up. It's not worth it. Listen, there is every reason to celebrate even losing that one pound. If your goal is losing 20 pounds and you lose one pound, shouldn't that be a reason? This is just an example. Shouldn't that be a reason to celebrate with a tub of ice cream? No, forget that part. Isn't that a reason to celebrate? Absolutely. We don't want to celebrate until we get to the very end. Well, this I, my goal was 20. I only lost 15 pounds, so I'm a failure. Well, you need to stop that. I'm not, this is just, I'm talking about everything. Like, I need to read the Bible consistently for a year. I can't miss a day, and if I miss a day, ah, I'm done. Or we get so, I'm sorry, God. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. What if I treated, what if I was like that with my family? What's the best thing to do with my family? If, if there is a day that we barely see each other, guess what? I'm going to spend extra time with them the next time because I love them. I'm not going to always be constant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is not flattering. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. God's like, I love you. We're in relationship. 
You stop apologizing. I love you. Maybe I have to make, I, I, I gotta make church a priority. I can't miss it. But then when we miss one week, we go, eh. Listen, we feel like we don't succeed until we hit the end goal. Listen, the road to the end goal is a windy mountain type of road. If the journey is not straight, we need to fall in love with the journey that God has us on. And if you are successful in, like if I read the Bible for a week straight, you better believe I'm going to celebrate that. If I made a good choice as a husband or as financial person, if I've done the right thing as a parent, if I've done the right thing at my, at my job, if I've done the right thing, I'm going to celebrate that. Why? Because when you celebrate something, it does feed you a lot in your heart and your mind and your emotions and it will be rewarded. It will be, it will, it will, you'll, you'll do it. Something that's rewarded is going to be repeated. Now that sounds like a, like a cheerleader type of talk, but it's true. Those things that get rewarded will get repeated. Okay, so baby steps, just like in uh, what about Bob? Baby steps are baby steps. <laughs> I love what about <laughs> baby steps to the elevator, <laughs> baby. But we, I watch that. And I'm like, baby steps to God. You should be leaping to God. Listen to me. Some people, a baby step is a leap, and you might as well start somewhere. So that's the journey. That's the process. That is what God has you on. And so with God's help, in any area of my life, wherever I struggle in consistency, God is going to help me to be consistent. Let's pray. Father, help us to be consistent in the things that you called us to be consistent in. Help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to not be so hard on ourselves. Help us to extend ourselves grace like you do. That you, you love the relationship part of our life, not just, oh, I got to go to the Bible as a textbook. I can't miss it no matter what. No, it's about relationship. And that's why I do read the Bible, God, is because, and that's why I do pray. It's because that's part of my relationship. But if I miss, God, I still have relationship with you. It's not like I'm going to quit. You just jump right back on. And I just pray that would happen to all of us in every area of our life. And, God, that's going to help us to grow in Christ-like maturity. God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for the people that have listened to me ramble. <laughs> I love them, and I know you love them, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.